Welcome to the New Life Podcast. Here we want you to experience the grace of God. So through this sermon, we hope to come alongside you as you grow in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about New Life, please visit our website at newlifeonline.org. Here's today's message. All right, now we're going to turn to God's Word. Would you join me in a word of prayer as we begin? Thank you, Lord, that we can come together on a Sunday like this, and uh, we can study your Word. Lord, we want to learn, we want to understand, we want to seek your wisdom, but we also don't want it to stop there. We want to be changed. So meet us, Lord. Meet us as we read and as we understand, and, and God, would we be different because we've come face to face with you, and we've learned about who you are and who we are in light of you. So meet us now, God, as we study your word, as we turn our attention there. We love you, Lord. It's in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I've shared this before that um, I kind of have an athletic background. I'm a runner by trade and, and uh, do that still today. But uh, growing up, you know, getting into cross country and track and all that kind of stuff, uh, that was just it was part of my rhythm, part of my life, and, and uh, it was a big part of, of what I would do. And so I kind of want to ask you a question. Uh, when you think about like athletics, whether you're running or otherwise, um, a lot of times if you uh, watch as a spectator, you'll see in the crowd someone with a sign that says John 3.16 on it, right? Like, that's inevitable. It's going to show up at some point. Well, what's the next most common verse athletes especially often use or or go to quickly? I don't want to hear it shouted out. Anyone have an idea? What's what's a common verse that most of the time athletes will will throw out there besides John 3.16? Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right? This, this is a common verse. Like, you'll see athletes all the time. If they got, you know, eye pain or whatever, it's, like, written on there, or it's on some part of their, their athletic apparel. Like, this, this verse right here is one of the most common you'll see in the context of athletics. But it's not limited to just that. Maybe you even at home have, like, a decorative, like, sign or something on your wall that says this verse on it, right? Like, this is, this is common out there, right? This verse, it's encouraging, like, we, we want it to, like, motivate us. Like, if you, you know, get back on the track with me, you're like, yeah, like, I can do all things. Like, it's motivating. It spurs me on, right? Like, that's why we often will run to this verse, right? It's encouraging. It pushes us into, you know, maybe doing hard things, right? What if this verse doesn't mean what we think it means? Hint, hint, it doesn't. Like, what, 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 if, what if this verse, this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, isn't quite what we think it is. We're beginning a new series we're calling Misinterpreted Verses. And we're looking at verses in the Bible that are often misinterpreted or misunderstood or misused, and and this verse is one of them. And and what we're going to do through these four weeks in in January is we're going to be looking at at four common verses and, and looking at really what do they mean? What is it that they actually are pointing to that sometimes we can miss? And along the way, we're going to learn what those verses mean, but we're also going to gain some skills to learn how to read the Bible. So we have two goals for this series. We want to understand each verse that we're going to look at. We want to know what it's actually saying, what it's actually pointing to. But through that, we want to learn to read the Bible well. We don't want to be people who just kind of like read through it and and find what we want to find in it, but we actually want to see what it says and be shaped and changed by that. So my hope is that through this series, we're going to pick up a few skills along the way 
That's going to help us to read our Bible. Now, you might have this verse in, in your house, or you might really like this verse. It might be circled in your Bible or in your journal or something like that. I hope you don't hear it's like, okay, I'm going to come knock you for you know, misusing this verse. We all do. Because this verse is actually one of them that I misused and misunderstood. And so I hope you don't hear like shame or condemnation like, oh, how could you misread the Bible? But rather, can we infuse deeper and newer meaning to a verse that's really special to you? So that's our goal throughout this entire series is we want to learn to read the Bible well. And so we're going to do that today by looking at Philippians 4 verse 13. And so to do that, let's first ask, what's the popular understanding of this verse? or really misunderstanding. So what I want to do is I want to walk through this verse and kind of pick it apart and understand what, what's our culture, how do people typically use it, but then we're going to see what, is, what does Paul mean by this verse. So let's put it back up here one more time. What does this verse say? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things. And, and notice, like, I can do. That is why most people run to this verse. Like, it's encouraging. It's motivating. Like, I can do it. You know, it's like, I, I, can, I can muster it up. I can, I can manage. I can do it. And it's a call to step up. That's why you see it a lot of times in, in the athletic arena, right? It's like, okay, I can do it. I can overcome. Like, whatever might be in front of me, whatever hardship, like, I can do it. I can overcome this. And it's encouragement. It spurs us on. Like, yes. I can do this. Well, what is it that I can do? All things. I can do all things. I can do anything that comes in my way. I can overcome it, or I, if I want to get better, something like I can do it. I can do all things. Whatever I set my mind to, I can do it. There's nothing that's going to hold me back. I can do all things. But how? Ah, now some things are hard, but, but how do I get there? Ah, Christ. He gives me strength. Jesus is there. He's here to help me. He's going to give me what I need to overcome. Like He's going to push me through. He's going to give me all that I need to, to get through this. He's the one who's going to give me strength. That's why he's there. Jesus is there to give me strength. I can do all things because he helps me. That's the popular understanding of this verse, right? That's kind of what's out there. Again, put yourself back in, on the field. It's like, yeah, I'm, 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 we're down in the game, but I, we can do it. We can do it. And, and Christ, he's going to help us. He's going to give us strength. And we cling to that promise. That's what we often think of when we think of this verse. Like we're imagining this, this encouragement, this challenge, this call to like muster up and we can do it. This is a very American way to read this verse, isn't it? Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Like, we can do anything. Nothing's going to get in our way. Real frontiersman kind of thing, right? Like, that's, that's the idea that we have with this verse. So we can do anything, and Jesus is going to help us. I think what's embedded here is the longing or the desire for the self-actualization. Like, we want to be able to do what it is we, we set our minds to. Like, I want to do this. I want to be like this. I want to, I want to overcome. Like, and we, we then go for it, and, and we want self-actualization. We want to realize it, and we want Jesus to help us. And Jesus' job is to help us, and he's here to help us be happy, give us what we want, give us what we're looking for. Like, that's, that's why he's here, because he wants that for us. He wants good things for us, right? That's what we 
think when we think of this verse. This is what I thought for a long time. Especially growing up in an athletic context like this, this idea, yes. But I don't think this is what this verse is about. Because it assumes something about God. It assumes that he is the cosmic cheerleader for our self-actualization. It's like, yeah, keep going. I'm so proud of you. Good job. Like, that's God's role in this verse. But you can probably imagine, like, and being a little pejorative here, like, cosmic cheerleader. But that's not God's role. His goal, his desire for us is not to give us just what we want, right? He's not here to be a cheerleader. He's here to encourage us, sure. But he's not here to be a cheerleader to tell us, like, yeah, yeah, whatever you want, I'm going to give it to you. Just keep going. You can do anything. Keep it up. That's not God's role. Now, you might be like, okay, let, let me show you. Like, very quickly, we can get there. Like, why this isn't true. Why this verse isn't true. Go back to the athletic field. Both teams claim, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We're going to win the game. Who's going to win? Like if both teams, they're both kind of saying, like, we can do this. And is it one has a little bit more faith or mustard than, than the other? Like, how do you resolve that? If they both claim this, who's God going to pull out? Or is it going to end in a tie, right? Like, like what, how is this going to work out? There you begin to feel the tension. Uh, let's make it a little more personal. Um, I'll tell you a story for me. So um, I, I love music. I, I love music. I, I love singing and worship. Like the, the time before coming to the preaching moment like, is just so helpful. I love, I love music. I love to sing. Uh, several weeks ago, Cody was leading worship, and, and um, it was just a sweet moment and kind of a rich time. And, and he oftentimes just kind of pays attention to what the Spirit's doing, pays attention to the room. And I don't know if you know this, but our worship team, they have little earbuds in so they can hear one another and hear the sound just to kind of keep it all in harmony and everything. Well, he, he pulls the ear out just so he can listen to you all. And, and, and he's hearing a really good thing. Except I'm sitting right there, and I'm singing out, and Cody is very much like, nope. <laughs> I, I cannot sing. I love music. I love to sing, but I am terrible. So, like, Cody's like, I'm going to go this way. Like, keeps his ear in, like, I don't sing well. Now, I could claim this verse and say, I can do anything. I can sing out as loud as I can, and Christ's going to give me the strength. Is not going to change my musical ability. Right? So, again, I could work on it. I could get better, and I probably should. But, I, I mean, I love music, and, and I make a joyful noise. But it doesn't change. Like, I'm not that great at singing. I'm just, I will never be able to do what Cody does. And, and that's, that's okay. This verse does not change the reality for me to be a better singer. It's like, I can do all things if I just... It's not going to change my voice. I just don't have that talent, and that is okay. So it's from experience, but even the Bible shows us that this is not true. This idea, this verse. I'm going to take you real quick to Matthew 16. Jesus is with his disciples, and there's a crowd around him, and they're having a conversation, and he offers these words. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. For whoever wants to, and whoever loses their life for me will find it. Here, it's not self-actualization. It's not this, like, I can do whatever I want, like, I can get there, like, and he's going to help me. Like, no, what Jesus is talking about is self-denial. 
losing your life, letting it go, surrender. That's what Jesus is talking about right here in one sentence. He's undercutting this idea that we operate about Philippians 4.13. We can't do all things through Christ who strengthens us because he calls us to self-denial. So the Bible itself is pointing to the reality like, no, this verse doesn't mean what we think it means. So if it doesn't, hopefully you're there and hopefully you're kind of like, okay, how do we get there? Like, how do we figure out what it really means? What's, what's the path forward? How do we understand Philippians 4.13 or any other verse in the Bible? Here's the first skill that I want us to work on, and it's this. Read in context. Read in context. That's how we're going to understand this verse. So what do I mean? What do I mean by when I say read in context? What I'm telling us is not to just read this one verse by itself. Like you might be reading through Philippians and get to 13 like, ooh, I really like this. I'm going to kind of think on it. The best thing you can do is to think on it by going back up. What did, it, what did Paul say right before this? What does he say right after this? What's happening in the chapter, in the paragraphs before and after? Like, that's what I mean when I say read in context. We want to pay attention to the conversation that Paul or the author is having with us. Not just this random statement, but to read what's going on in context. It's like that's the call. Like we're to read the Bible holistically, not in isolation, not in piecemeal, not in micro. We're to read in context. So the Bible Project, I love the, what they're doing. They're a, a nonprofit organization. They put out videos to help people understand the Bible better. And they recently did a series on this, like how do you read the Bible and Tim Mackey, one of their leaders, um, he, he used the phrase this way, and I think this is what's happening here, the devotional grab bag. That's the approach we often take with the Bible when we come to a Philippians 4.13. We're just like looking for that one thing that's going to encourage me, fill me up, like boom, devotional grab bag. That's the wrong approach to reading the Bible. We should read it devotionally, I don't hear me say that, but we're not reading it in isolation just to find that little nugget that we think like, oh, this is what I needed to hear. We might need to hear something, but we need to keep it in context. Because what often happens is we'll just treat something in isolation. That's what happens in the devotional grab bag approach. You just treat it in isolation. So we want to read in context. We want to pay attention to what's happening before and after. So what I want to do is I want to real quick walk through the context of Philippians 4.13. What's happening here? And we actually only need to go a few verses in front of it to capture the meaning. So here it is. Philippians 4, verse 10 through 13. That's where we're going to read. So if you're not there already, I'll give you a second. Turn in your Bibles. I encourage you to jump there. We'll have the words on the screen. But pull it up on your phone or, or grab your Bible. We're going to look at, at these, these four verses Altogether. All right, so Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. 
I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now, I gave you the NIV version. Did you notice the change? I can do all this. Not all things, all this. See, the NIV, they learned what was happening with this verse. And when they made their edits into the 2011 version, they made this change. Away from all things to all this. Because I think sometimes when we read all things, which that's the literal Greek, it's all things, they're realizing, oh, people misunderstand what Paul is intending. Because what is he intending here? He's not saying anything, like in the full spectrum of whatever, but he's talking about a particular spectrum, which has to do with contentment. So that's what he's talking about. Paul, in this time, he's writing this letter to the church in Philippi. He's in prison. He's in Rome under house arrest. And he's awaiting trial. And he's likely going to be put to death. He doesn't know for sure, but he's in a moment in his life where it's like, I don't know what's going to come. He's under the threat of death, of being in need. He's facing this moment where he doesn't have like, what he needs. like, life could end for me. Then what happens? This church, they send somebody, they send a convoy with some resources, some money, some provisions, some other things. And like, here's this gift that they're giving to Paul while he's in prison. And so he's writing back. He's saying, thank you for that gift. Thank you for what you've, what you've done for me. But let me tell you, I've learned. I've learned the secret of contentment. I've learned to be okay when I have much and when I have little. And it's here. It's in this context that he makes this statement. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So what I want you to see at the beginning here is that context. Context dictates meaning. Context dictates meaning. We can't just rip something out and understand what it's pointing to. We're going to misunderstand it. Just like what's happened with this verse. What Paul is talking about is something particular and specific. Context is going to dictate meaning here. So, kind of a takeaway or what we want to do is we want to be reading verses, paragraphs, even whole chapters before the section that we're kind of camped on. What we want to do is not just find that one verse and like, ooh, that sticks out to me and like, boom, I'm going to run with that. If we find something that sticks out to us, great, camp on it, but go back and say, okay, what happened right before? What were they saying? Okay, then see how that verse, and keep going, what else is said after that? And allow the context to point to what the author is trying to communicate to you. See, we want to pay attention to what's happening before and after. And sometimes that is even whole chapters. Like you'll see this in the prophets or the gospels. Like you're, you're following a story, you're following a chain of thought, and they might like break their chain of thought or, or go to talk about something else but then come back. You, you see that actually in the gospel of John when Jesus feeds the 5,000. He leaves, and then there's some other stories. But then the people, they come around, and they catch up to him. It's like, hey, Jesus, glad we found you. And, and they're kind of like wanting something. He's like, what do you want? What do you want? Well, that whole bread thing, can you do that again? <laughs> Pay attention. Like, he just fed them. Now they're looking for what? They want bread. But Jesus says, no, 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 it's not about the bread. It's not about the fact that I fed you. It's about something greater than that. And he has this conversation that's informed by the feeding of the 5,000. It's like when you pay attention to context, you discern deeper and greater meaning. And so that's the skill that I want you to walk away with today, is paying attention to what comes before and after any given idea, any given verse. So 
what does then this verse actually mean? What is Philippians 4.13 really all about? I want to come back to that and, and open this up just a little bit more so we can kind of finalize. What is it that Paul is pointing to? So why don't I just read it one more time, and then we're going to highlight really, I think, what Paul is trying to point to. So beginning in verse 10 again. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So what Paul is talking about is this tension of living in life and circumstances changing. Like I, at times, have all that I need. I have all that I want. I have plenty. And then other times, I have none of that. And yet, I can be content. I can realize that it is not dependent upon the circumstances, my resources, my food, but rather, I can come to him. I can live in this tension. I can live in this changing reality between having much and having little. I can live in all of that because he gives me strength. What Paul is showing us here is that his eyes are fixed on Jesus. Like, that's where his, his focus is. That's where his attention is. He is locked in to Jesus. And because he is, the Spirit enables him to live in this changing reality. Now remember, he's in prison. Like, this is extreme. He's facing potential death. And eventually, he, he is killed. He's facing death. And what does he say? I can do all this. I can face this because Christ, because of who he is, because of what he does, he strengthens me. And then Paul kind of goes on a little bit further. He talks about the gift and, and how he wants them to be blessed in the act of giving. But then he ultimately lands on this one truth, and I want to jump down to verse 19. Here's the final idea that he's offering. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. There it is. Why can he have strength? Why, why can he be strengthened? Why can he face all that he does? It's because of this idea that God is going to meet his needs in Christ. And he's going to do it lavishly. He's going to be generous. He's not going to hold back. Now, you can read this verse in the wrong way too, right? You can meet all these, oh, like, I'm not going to have a problem. Like, God's going to take care of everything. No, 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 no. That's not what Paul's saying. What is he saying? He's not saying, he will give me all my wants. He will meet all your needs. He's going to give you exactly what you need, even if it's less than you think it is. See, sometimes we're going to go through hard. We're going to face challenge. But God's always going to be there, and he's going to give us what we need, what's best for us. Not necessarily what we want, not what we expect, but what we need. And that's the truth that he's building on. God provides that's who he is. That's his character. He's not a cosmic cheerleader just encouraging us to do whatever and he's going to come through. No, he's the one who provides what we need to live the life that he's calling us to, to walk as Jesus walks. 
That is what Paul is saying. I can do all that. Living in this changing world, these changing circles, I can do all of that because he's going to give me the strength. My eyes are locked on him. He will strengthen me. That is what Paul is pointing to. So if I were to kind of capture it or sum it up in maybe a sentence, it's this. Dependence leads to contentment. Dependence leads to contentment. When we depend on him, we will find contentment because we're not depending on circumstances. We're not depending on whether we have or don't have, whether we have the things that we expect or want. Like, it's not that. The things that maybe even we desire most deeply, he's going to give us what we need. He's going to come through on that. It's when we depend on him, we begin to learn to be content. Not pushed aside because of of circumstances, but rather we're going to rest in him. It's in our dependence and our surrender to him that we find contentment. That's what Paul is pointing to. And again, notice in the text above, 13, it's like all about contentment. I've lived in both of these and I've found the secret. It's, It's him. It's depending on him, not looking to my circumstances. I know how to operate when there's a lot. I know how to operate when there's a little because it's not about that. It's about Jesus. He provides. He comes through with what I need. And I am content in that. So that is what Paul is pointing to. He's pointing to this reality that we can find contentment when we depend on him. We will have what we need. We can do all that we need to do in his will because he's going to give us the strength because we depend on him. We will find contentment. So this verse is not about being the champion on the athletic field. It's not about overcoming whatever obstacles we might face. It's not about like, I just want to like learn to be a better singer. It's not about that. It's about being dependent on him. It's about allowing him to guide and shape our lives so that we're not looking to our circumstances, but we look to him. So come back with me one more time to athletics, to running in particular. So as I was growing up, this verse, I misunderstood it. It was one of those like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can do it. Like, he's going to give me the strength. He's giving me this gift. I can run fast. Yes, that's how I thought of this verse. But as I learned about what it really meant, it did change the way I viewed my running, the way I viewed my competition. Instead of being like, okay, it's about my time and how fast I run. Did I get a PR or break a record? Like, am I, did I win the race? Like, it's not about that anymore. Because I've been in those times of plenty. Like, I'm winning, and I'm, I'm smashing records. Great. And then I've been times where I'm not. Like, I'm having a bad race. I I'm, seem to be struggling. I'm getting beat. Like, it's not, I'm not doing as well as I'd hoped. It's not about the success. It's not about the outcomes. Rather, it's taking this gift. He's given me this talent and doing it for him and enjoying the process regardless of the outcome. So this verse still impacts my running. It still informs how I'm a runner. I can do all things because I'm content in him. He gives me the strength to lead the kind of life that no matter if I'm winning or losing, I'm content. And I'm enjoying the run. So it it totally applies, but not in the way that we think sometimes. It's not about circumstances, but it's about enjoying the run. That is what he's taught me. I'm content in the gift. I take pleasure in his pleasure in me by using it, not in the success that I have. 
So, Philippians 4, 13. It's about dependence. It's about contentment. It's about finding that when we look to him. Not about the circumstances, not about having or not having. Not about having things go the way we want them to. But rather resting in dependence on him and finding rich contentment there. That is what he enables us to do. So, to kind of boil this all down, here's two takeaways, two levels here that I want us to to walk away with. So number one, how can you pursue dependence this week? Where is there an area in your life right now where you feel discontent? Like things aren't as the way you want them to be? Like it's just, you know, not quite operating? Like you feel like there's a mountain you got to climb? Where is there discontentment? How can you begin to calibrate dependence on him? Because again, sometimes we want a certain outcome. And we might get it. But I think what God is calling us to is to turn and rest in the Spirit and allow him to work in our hearts. So I think the default is whenever you think of this situation, whatever it is that's coming to your mind, go to him in prayer and say, Jesus, here's here's what's going on in my life. Here's what I'm feeling. I'm going to release this to you. I'm not going to look to the the outcomes or the circumstances. I'm going to release. I'm going to depend on you to give me what I need. I want what I want, I'll tell you that, but give me what I need. I'm going to depend on you for that. Not the outcomes, not having or not having, but rather depend on him. Can we do that? Can we pursue dependence and there find contentment? That's what he's promising. That's what the work is that he wants to do. He wants to grant us contentment. So that's number one. Number two, read in context. That's the skill that I want you to walk away with today. It's it's great to find a verse that speaks to us. That's awesome. But don't divorce it from what's happening around it. So if you find something that's kind of sticking out to you, great. Think on it, meditate on it, but read what happens right before. Read several verses or a paragraph or even a whole chapter. Go back through and say, okay, what's happening? What's happening? How does that change my understanding of what I see with this one verse? And then keep going. Read a whole paragraph. Read a chapter. Get the context in place. That will help us avoid misreading some of these verses. That's not foolproof. We're still going to have to learn along the way, and it's, it's a lifelong journey. But when we do this, we're going to set ourselves up to hear what it is that God wants to say to us. So read in context. The big idea is it's this. It's, it's dependence that leads to contentment. But I, I'll leave you with this little idea that I think really helps us. So I think, I think we can do all things, including read the Bible well, through Christ who gives us context. Okay? I think that's what he's trying to tell us today. So re, read in context. That's what, what he's calling us to do. And it's all in dependence on him. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Thank you, God, for this incredible verse. And even for the ways that maybe sometimes it's been misread, even by us. God, I pray. I pray that we would continue to learn and grow. Seeing it, what it is that you want us to see. Learning how you want us to read the Bible. Would we do that, God, in a continual kind of fashion? God, we also want to be dependent upon you. Even as we read the Bible, as we're exploring it, God, we're doing so in dependence on you. 
We can't figure it out on our own. Like, we need your illumination. We need you to teach us. Help us to see what's actually there. And God, I pray that we would develop these skills of reading in context, but we would develop the skill of depending on you in life. We want to be like Paul. We want to discover the secret of contentment in you. And you will come through for us. You will teach us. You will help us to get better at being content in our dependence on you. Lord, as we go, we will no longer be tossed by the waves of having plenty and not having. But we're able to rest in you. So help us to do that, God. Whatever the situation is in our life right now, whatever we feel that discontentment, the ways that we feel like things aren't as they should be or we're longing for something more, God, help us to turn to you. And whether we have it or we don't, we can rest in you. Show us how to do that. God, prompt us to start by praying. And that's it, Lord. We just, we continually come to you in surrender. Help us to do that, God. Help us to do that consistently. And would you come through for us? You are the God of provision. You promise to give what we need. So we look to you for that. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.